Hallelujah. Bless God. Amen. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22 in the New King James Version before we take our seats. Hallelujah. Luke 3, 21 through 22. Hallelujah. New King James, Luke 3, 21 through 22. Okay. Bless God. Okay, well, you all read it for me. Ready, read. technical difficulties, like, so what? Let me borrow a Bible. You can read from your Bibles, right? Amen. Go ahead and read it for me. Let's start over. Luke 3, 21 through 22, New King James Version. something like this whenever somebody was having a baby. They would say, mama's baby, daddy's maybe. And I was like, what, what do you mean? You know, as a little girl, that, that didn't make much sense. Mama's baby, daddy's maybe. So I grew to understand what they really meant. What they were saying is simply this. Mom for nine months has evidence, right, proof that she carried and bore a child. However, the person responsible for sowing seed, there's no evidence of who the seed came from until there was manifestation of some fruit. But beyond just manifestation of the fruit, there had to be some character traits some traits that made it, ah, oh, yes, you're so-and-so's son or you're so-and-so's daughter. It was, we really don't need all these television shows, right? Proving out who, you can look at them and you can tell. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you ever want to stand me side by side next to my dad, without a shadow of a doubt, you'd say, that's Addison's daughter. You are the father, right? Without a shadow of a doubt. Because I've got his nose, I've got his lips, down to his feet. 
we are father and daughter. So I'm here today to just talk a little bit more about this identity and wanting us to get to a place where without a shadow of a doubt, people will know that I'm my father's child. There should be no question. You know, Jesus walked around this earth, right? Now, when we read uh, Luke chapter 3, really the story really is good in Luke chapter 2. It starts to talk about him at the age of 12 going into the temple, right? And uh, he went into the temple without his parents' permission. He was supposed to be traveling back home with his family. They had already been in Jerusalem for three days celebrating the Feast of Passover. It's time to go home. Well, in all of the hustle and bustle and all of the travel, the huge entourage that they were with, everybody thought Jesus was with somebody else. But they got a few days out of the city and realized, hey, I've not seen my son. A few days out of the city. So they turn around. They go back to the city. They're looking all over the city for Jesus. Where is Jesus? Jesus is not at the pool hall. Jesus is not at the corner store. He's not hanging out at the laundromat. He's not shooting a bobo with the boys in the gates. No, Jesus, at 12 years old, was found in the synagogue speaking with the elders as a learned, aged man. But remember... He's only 12. So his mom had a question. Son, what are you doing? She said in Luke 2, something very puzzling to him. She wanted to know, hey, hey son, what, what, what is it that you're doing? He said, mama, why are you acting so outrageous about this? Why are you asking this question? Don't you know, I think that's verse 49, don't you know that I must be about my father's business? Now, as I read that, I'm like, how does Jesus know that his father was not Joseph? He's only 12 years old, and he got a little sassy with mom. I know you gotta know. I know you gotta know. You might be surprised that I know. But the truth of the fact is, I've got to be here. This is where I was ordained to be. This is where I was appointed to be. traits, behaviors, actions, attitude, words that we ought to all have for the mere fact that we call ourselves children of God. Now, Jesus, 12 years old, they said something about him in verse 52. I'm going to read it to you from the International Children's Bible because it's real plain there, right? It says, Jesus, after he went home with his parents as an obedient child, knowing that he was called to do something that nobody else in the entire world was called to do. You heard what I said, in the entire world. 
I didn't say the entire universe. Can we get universe out of our mouth? Can we get universe out of our mouth? No, really, Christians, can we get the word universe out of our mouth? The only inhabited planet is Earth. We're not moving things in Mars. We're not moving things in the Milky Way. We are operating in this world, all right? So he said this. He said in Luke 2.52, he said, Jesus continued to learn more and more and to grow physically. People liked him. Look at this. And he pleased God. He's 12, ladies and gentlemen. What is it about a 12-year-old that people would look at him and say, he is well-pleasing to God, and I really do. Do you know the world really does like Christians? What they don't like are fake Christians. The world likes people who deal in integrity. The world likes honest people. The world likes people who can carry themselves the way they, the world hates a hypocrite. So the world doesn't have a problem with Christians because remember the same things we're seeing today in 2021 are the same things Jesus was dealing with back way back in AD 12. But it says people liked him and he was well pleasing to God. Now we don't know a whole lot about what went on with Jesus with those 18 years between Luke chapter 2 and Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 3. No real clue. Nothing else is said. But we know one day, Jesus, not of his own accord, but by the unction of the Holy Ghost, knew that I've got to have this public sign. Number one, to show that I am a follower of Jehovah God. So with everybody else, Jesus went down to the river and he uh, asked John, hey, baptize me. Now, something miraculous happened when he did that. The moment Jesus went down into the water and came, there came, hallelujah, a dove, the Holy Spirit, descended from heaven and rested on him. Hallelujah. And that's not the only supernatural thing that happened. A voice from heaven. I said, a voice from heaven gave Jesus his identity. The voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus' identity did not come from within him. Jesus' identity did not come from Mary. Jesus' identity did not come from Joseph. Jesus' identity did not come from the Jewish culture. Jesus' identity came straight from heaven. Now, if we are going to live this life the way Jesus lived his life, then we've got to do that same thing and expect that same thing. The first truth, I'm going to give you some truths about our identities. The first truth about our identity is it must come from heaven. It cannot come from any other source. All right? When who I am is spoken. When who I am is spoken. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The moment something is spoken, what I am is revealed. The moment who I am is spoken, what I am is revealed. 
Now, here's the key. It's got to come from outside of this natural realm. Our identity must come from heaven. Let's look at uh, Psalm 2 and verse 7 in the Passion Translation. Oh, this is powerful. See, I need to bring my Passion Bible. Okay, I can see that. Oh, I really can see that. Okay, here we go. I will reveal, look at this, this is the son speaking. Because remember, Psalm is a book of poetry, but Psalms, the Psalms are also prophetic. So this is the son of God speaking. Jesus, listen to this. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God. I will reveal, I'm going to show forth the eternal purpose of God. Look at this. For he has, not he will. See, a lot of people are moving on what we think he's going to speak. No, for he has decreed over me, you are my favored son, and as your father, I have. As your father, I have crowned you as my king eternal. Today, I became your father. Today, I revealed myself to you. See, those first 30 years, Jesus was operating as Joseph's son. He was obedient to his mother and father. He carried on in the family business. He was a carpenter just like his daddy, Joseph, was a carpenter. But there came a day. When did that day come? The day Father God decreed over him, you are my beloved son. At that point, Jesus was coronated as king. Not only was he coronated king, he says, now, today, I am revealing to you, I am your father. It's got to come from heaven. Our identity cannot come. Do you know our souls change? Today with this, tomorrow with that. It's got to come from heaven. Now, point number two. We must allow heaven to speak out the truth of our identity. We must allow heaven to speak out the truth of our identity. Not us and not anyone else. Heaven's got to speak it. Remember, the voice came from heaven saying something to Jesus. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, once that voice came, Jesus was now able or empowered or given the license to do what it is he was purposed to do. A lot of people, too many people, are stepping out and operating in things that have not yet been spoken from heaven. I'm a prophetess of God. Okay, okay, you heard something, but did God call you a prophetess? Did God call you a prophet? Well, you know, I'm very charismatic and, and I can sing really well and, and I know some scriptures. Oh, I'm gonna become a pastor and I'm gonna start a church. Oh, that's good, great, and wonderful. But did God, did heaven speak and say, you are a pastor? Or did you hoop one time really well or read the scripture really well at somebody's funeral and then somebody else said, ooh, you must be. No, we don't call ourselves anything until heaven speaks it out. Until heaven speaks it out, all right? Look at this. God 
had already spoken to Jesus about his identity. He had already told Jesus. He got confirmation when he was in that river. He received confirmation. But obviously at 12, when he said, I must be about my father's business, something had already taken place. Listen to this. Don't make a move until God takes you public. We're in the body of Christ. We're watching people make moves, going public, and God's not made them public yet. You're not ready, exactly. And those are the times when you find that the calling has exceeded your character. God needed those 18 years with Jesus to prepare him for all of the things he was going to suffer. Jesus was going to suffer rejection. Jesus was going to suffer loss. Jesus was going to see death. Jesus was going to be persecuted. And he needed those 18 years to shore up his character so that he wouldn't quit the moment things got hard. But here's what's happening now. We're going public. We're calling ourselves things that we're not yet. Let the character exceed the calling, and then the calling will catch up with your character. It can't, it can't keep being the other way around. I watch it derail too many people. They come to a church like this. And I said like this because there are other word churches. And they learn 15 scriptures. And they learn that there's 66 books in the Bible. And they know the different divisions of the Bible. Come on here now. They can quote the lineage of Jesus. They know the story of Rahab. And then all of a sudden, before you know, they've got engagements to preach. Who told you you were a preacher? Well, didn't God use Saul right out of the gates? Did you get knocked off a beast? And a light shine around you? And a voice from heaven speak? Until that happens, sit down! Because what will happen is you will find yourself operating in something you're not developed yet at. And here's what happens without fail. Situations and storms come. Rejections come. Somebody talks about your weed. Somebody talks about your tie. Somebody cracks on something. And you are D-O-N-E. Not just with your ministry, but with God. And so now you got to go out in the world and backtrack on everything you said. No, sweetie. No, son. Sit down and let heaven speak it out. Stop going public before God takes you public. Clean out my YouTube feed if everybody will stop going public with these half baked words. Right. Right. It's a half baked word. It's half baked. God speaks in a very clear and authoritative voice. He doesn't need you echoing and mimicking anybody. Look at this. Go to Acts 10.38. Media, can you help me? Oh, please be able to help me. Acts 10.38 in the ERV. Easy to read version. 
Look at this. You know about Jesus from Nazareth. We learned about Jesus from Nazareth in Luke chapter 2. God made him the Messiah. Who made him the Messiah? God made him. He didn't just read some old text and say, ooh, ooh, I'm going to call myself Messiah. No, God made him Messiah by giving him, look at this, the Holy Spirit and power. Now Jesus was able to go everywhere doing good for people. He healed all those who were ruled by the devil, showing that God was with him. When we are operating in those things that our Father has called us to operate in, you don't have to call yourself anything. You don't have to do anything. You, you really don't have to say much. Why don't you have to say much? Because you'll be busy going about doing. Everybody's not global. Everybody's not international. Some people are blocked. Some people have a block anointing. No, really. Can you change your city block? Can you change your front yard? Can you change your bank account? Can you renew your mind? Who try to renew the whole world's mind? No, renew your mind. It happens in every sector. Everybody's the boss of something. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. Listen, because Crown lets you drive off the lot with a baby beans does not make you a boss. Bosses speak and people listen. I'm the boss, mom boss. No, you're not mom boss. You don't step out in any authority until a higher authority has spoken it into you. All right? So we must allow heaven to speak out the truth of our identity. Not us and not anybody else. Don't let anybody else come to you and tell you you got an X, Y, Z in anything. No, let heaven say it. All right? Number three. We're going to go back to whatever scripture I'm in. Luke chapter three. And we're going to go down to the end of there. I think that says 23. But you don't have to turn there. It's where they start listing the lineage of Christ. Now, isn't it funny that Jesus' natural lineage would be listed right after God himself speaks from heaven and says, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Truth number three, we must resist limiting ourselves to our natural lineage. We've got to stop limiting ourselves to who and what we are in the natural. Do you know that God can take anybody he chooses and make them great without them being from a prominent family, without them being raised up in wealth, without them knowing how to conjugate verbs, without them ever going to college, without them ever doing anything that this natural world calls great. God can take, I love Dr. Leroy, you, you know. Eighth grade education? Largest landowner in his town, 630-something acres? We just go buy G-Wagons because we're celebrating our anniversary. I get one, you get one too. Right. He would be voted 
the least likely to succeed if he went by his natural lineage. See, in his natural lineage, he's the son of sharecroppers. And in the truth, coming out of Louisiana in those backwoods, he shouldn't be known the way he's known. He definitely shouldn't have what he has. But he tapped in to a higher revelation that I am more than who my people were. I am born of God. All right? Number four, our understanding of our identity must be concrete in us. It cannot be some abstract thought before we step out into our assignment. And I'm going to tell you why. Your understanding of your identity must be concrete. You must know who you are. I'm so glad we sang that song. That's got to be my favorite song. Because not enough of us know who we are. I love Psalm number 101. David in that psalm begins to talk about all of the things that he won't allow himself to. I won't set evil things before my eyes. I won't say these things. I won't lie. I won't steal. I won't do these things. And he gets to the end, he says, because you love me and I love you. So because you are my father, there are just some things that I won't do. So once I know who I am, my understanding gives me limits and it gives me boundaries. Now, it doesn't give a limit on what I can do. It gives me a limit on how I believe and what I say and how I operate. Why, you might ask. Look at this. Go to Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this. I'm going to stay in the Passion Translation. It says, from the moment of his baptism, look at this, from the moment of his baptism, Jesus was overflowing with the Holy Spirit. He was taken by the Spirit from the Jordan into the lonely wilderness of Judea. Look at this. Right out in ministry, he's been separated. How many of us can handle that? See, we step out into ministry and think we're supposed to wake up to 100,000 followers. 15 engagements. Set up an itinerary and why, why, do, you, why do you have an itinerary page? That, that's me into the lonely wilderness of Judea to experience the ordeal of testing by the accuser for 40 days. He ate no food during this time and ended his 40-day 40, uh, 40 fast very hungry. It was then that the devil said to him, if you are really the son of God, command this stone to turn into a loaf of bread for you. The moment Jesus received his identity. See, you got to know who you are. The devil showed up to test it. The moment he knew who he really was. Remember, he had been operating as Joseph and Mary's son. He had been operating as a carpenter. He had been operating as just another young man living in the city of Nazareth. Something different about him, though. Something different about him. But yet and still, it wasn't until his true identity was revealed that something came a testing of that identity. Now listen, today I'm sitting outside in the playground and I heard these words. The church is contaminating the church. I said, huh? The church, you know, I wasn't on the playground. I was walking through this building. I was walking down this, this driveway here. 
the church is contaminating the church. Because we welcome the names child of God. We welcome son of God. We welcome daughter of God. But we won't step over into the character that matches up with the calling. See, it's one thing to identify as Christian. But it's a whole nother thing to walk this thing out like a Christian. It's a whole nother thing to live like you're a Christian. And see, so what's happening is the world's not attacking the church. Because the Lord told us in his word that if we lived right and we acted right, there would be nothing the world can say about us. There'll be nothing that they can point at us and, and bother us about. Because why? Because the walk would match the talk. There are too many Christians who are drinking the wrong things, uh-huh. saying the wrong things, wearing the wrong things, going to the wrong. See, that's why, that's the, but that's why people don't want to be Christian. Everybody's not called to be this. But we who do name the name of Christ, those ones of us who have accepted who he is, we've got to walk like it. That's what made Jesus so appealing, that he had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of followers because what he said matched up with how he walked. It matched up. We can't keep messing up the name of the church and expect people to want to join the church. We can't keep posting scriptures alongside filth. We can't keep doing it. We can't keep preaching to people this thing, but in the next, we can't keep doing it. Why? It's contaminating the church. I feel like Joshua. If you believe that the gods that you served on the other side of this river were true, go serve them. But you can't. We cannot. We Church, we cannot. People don't know where to turn because we who call our name selves Christians won't act like Christians. How can I come and ask you for prayer to get me out of this bondage of alcoholism if you drink it as much as I'm drinking. Because you do know they all hit a place where it's not fun, right? I'm talking about our identity. I can't come and deep. Can you pray for me about my marriage, man? My marriage going through and your marriage not tight because you won't do what this Bible says. I can't ask you to pray for my healing if every time I come to you, you complain about what's going on in your body. If we are going to walk around and say, I'm a child of God, then goodness gracious, we got to act like it. Look at this last place. Go to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at this in the Passion Translation. We have a light assignment tonight because most of it is to be done at home. 1 John 3, and I'm going to start at verse 1. And I'm just going to read because 
in the Passion Translation. It excited me so much that kids thought I was like losing it today, but I wasn't losing it. But when you hear it, because you're probably wondering, well, what does this have to do with the family? How can we win our children if we're not convinced? How? How? Do you know what, what, what most of the schism is in families? Somebody's a child of God and somebody's a child of the devil. That's why the father said, don't be unequally yoked. You're inviting conflict. Singles, if they're not saved, don't even entertain it. Don't entertain it. Well, how do I get to know people? Hey, I attend Exceeding Grace Christian Center Church. If you want to see me, I go to church every Sunday and every Wednesday. And you don't sit next to them. Because children of light, children of darkness, they don't mix. So then we have unsaved spouses, saved spouse. We create children. Who do the children follow? I said, who do the children follow? Whoever's the, whoever has the strongest conviction. So, wake up. Oh, you ain't got to go to church. Well, they do. They need to go to church. I said they don't have to go to church. What you going to do, fight about it? So you start looting. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Now, just let this get in. Just, just let this, just let this. And you're going to see the first family in these scriptures, and you're going to understand. Listen to this. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. Look at the depth of it. He poured his love on us and has called us and made us, not just Jesus, made us his very own beloved children. Does that just, does that just, it didn't give you, it didn't, oh my God. I'm his beloved child. I am, no, God of heaven has poured his love on us and have called us. Yeah, that's my legit. You know, there are guys who walk around and won't even say that that's their, they got these other names. And, and now people are using that word. Yeah, that's my son. You're not even old enough to birth a child. What are you talking about? But they, we use that. But when God speaks, he's not just throwing words out. He's called us his very own beloved children. The reason the world does not recognize who we are is that they don't recognize us. The world should not recognize us. Why? Because it doesn't recognize him. See, if I've taken my identity from the father, 
the world does not know what to do with me. They definitely don't invite me to nothing. They do me like they did Jesus. Can I talk to you on the sneak? You know how Nicodemus came to him by night and said, hey, let me ask you something. They never want to be seen with you. I said, they never want to be seen with you. Beloved, listen to this. We are God's children right now. However, it is not yet apparent what we will become. See, God ain't done with us. But we are his children right now. Right now. Okay? But we do know that when it is finally made visible, we will be just like him. For we will see him as he truly is. And all who focus their hope on him will always be, look at this, purifying themselves just because I identify as a child of God, every day I am constantly purifying. Not constantly accepting who and what I am. I am constantly purifying. Why? Jesus is pure. Anyone who indulges in sin lives in moral anarchy. For the de definition of sin is breaking God's law. And you know without a doubt that Jesus was revealed to do what? Eradicate sins. And there is no sin in him. It's almost like Jesus and I are twins. Let's not look at him as like somebody. No, we, we, we can't. At the same time, we're here. So if there's no sin in him, there's no sin in me. No, everybody's sin. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Purify yourself just like Jesus did. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Anyone who continues to live in union with him will not sin. Everybody messes up. I ain't talking about no mess up. I ain't talking about this one day you forgot who you are. Because every now and then, just think about even in, at home. Every now and then you get to playing with your children too much and they forget who you are. They, they done made a mistake and said that. You said that the wrong way. Oh, you said that. No, you, <laughs> you ain't mean to say that, did you? you ain't mean, <laughs> I'm, what I'm doing is I'm giving them a minute to think about what you just said before I have to do like Sadie used to do Not cry. Not cry. Not cry. See, you ain't parenting right till you don't bust they lip. And don't even feel bad about it. Go on cooking like you ain't did nothing. Ma'am of God, you just bust my lip. Go in there and get me a paper towel. But the one. Because <laughs> every now and children forget. They just forget it. You got to give them a span of moment to remind themselves. Like, oh, snap. I thought I was still at school. I'm sorry. Wrong person, right? But the one who continues sinning, look at this, look at this, hasn't seen him with discernment or known him by intimate experience. So people who continue to sin, they don't know 
God. They don't know. I'm my father's child. But if I keep sinning, see, I don't know who my daddy is. See, you know that kept me out of a lot of trouble because, oh, God, I knew who my daddy was then. And that 1973 comet was liable to turn a corner at any moment. Let me be five minutes late down the street at the pastor's house. That car would come toot, 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 around that corner, Deke, and it didn't stop. I said it didn't stop. I just need you to see your daddy is out here. That meant crank your car up and get yourself on home. I knew who my father, and I knew what he was capable. But if we continue to sin, we don't know it. Delightfully loved children, don't let anyone divert you from this truth. Don't let your friends at school, don't let your cousins, don't let your co-workers, don't let anybody divert you from this truth. The person who keeps doing what is right proves that he is righteous before God, even as the Messiah, whom Jesus called, is righteous. But the one who indulges in a sinful life is of the what? Devil! I make, oh, remember Jesus told him, you are of your father, the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was, was revealed was to undo and destroy the works of the devil. Everyone, look at this, who is truly God's child will refuse to keep sinning because God's seed remains within him, and he is unable to continue sinning because he has been, look at this, fathered by God himself. I'm my father's child. Here is how God's children can clearly be distinguished from the children of the evil one. Anyone who does not demonstrate righteousness and show love to fellow believers is not living as God at, with God as his source. The beautiful message you've heard right from the start is that we should walk in self-sacrificing love toward one another. We should not be like Cain, the first son, who yielded to the evil one and brutally murdered his own brother Abel. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brother's righteous. So why was Cain able? Abel, Abel. Why did Cain have the ability to kill his brother Abel? Because they had two different fathers. I said they had two different fathers. No, Adam was both different. Now I'm talking about the heavenly father, the one that really matters. Cain was of his father, the devil. Abel was of God. Amen? Amen. Say, I'm my father's child. Father's child. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.